Hey everybody, and welcome to the Unscheduled CEO. It is Monday, the 16th of January, 2023. And I'm your host, Jonathan Courtney, recording live from the AJ and Smart office. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, episode two, we're here. We're at episode two. Just keeping that music a little bit quiet in the background there for this intro bit. One week since the launch of the unscheduled CEO. <laughs> lots of feedback, lots and lots of feedback. I really, really appreciate that. Um, a lot of feedback from the people who are listening in our audience. Uh, a lot of feedback even from the AJ and Smart team, by the way, who didn't know I was going to make this podcast. I just kind of posted it in the Slack group and said, hey, we have a podcast now. It's called the Un- <laughs> Unscheduled CEO. Uh, a lot of feedback, a lot of great questions. I asked you to send your questions to what I'm kind of using as the mailbox at the moment. Uh, if you go to howtobusiness.substack.com, Go to the latest episode and you can ask questions. And I will answer them on this podcast that's coming up later today. Some really great questions. And um, yeah, uh, an update also on the audio situation. As you know, if you listen to episode one, these episodes are recorded live uh, and unedited. There are There is no editing here. So if I made a, make a mistake like there, uh, that is not cut out. I'm doing all of the audio myself, music, literally everything you hear. I am doing live on a product called the Roadcaster 2, no, Roadcaster Pro 2. And so basically this is the thing I'm using to record this. It's an all-in-one uh, podcast recording studio, uh, which also happens to be a piece of shit. Uh, it's broken. So last week I told you that I couldn't, uh, I can't update it. I can't use any of the kind of audio processing capabilities are uh, basically it, it's it's broken the physical device is broken and a new one is arriving today um try try to get in touch with road they don't really answer customer service is not great um so yeah i a couple of people are asking me if i should they should buy a roadcaster it's a mixture of like it's kind of like when i bought my tesla i know if you're listening to this and thinking oh what a what a piece of shit you know he's complaining about all these nice things but when i was buying a tesla the customer service was pretty much the worst thing you could possibly imagine Uh, and anytime there's an issue with the car it's really unpleasant um however the actual car itself is great it's the same thing with this roadcaster i can make this podcast without an editor and without having to do too much planning, because this device is an all-in-one system, and there doesn't seem to be another option, that seems to be the only one that does this, uh, but also road. <laughs> the only times you can call them uh, from Europe are pretty much midnight to 9 a.m. And then after, uh, yeah, that's it. You can only call them when you would be asleep, or at midnight till 8 a.m. or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty irritating Hopefully next week, like later today, I'm going to have two roadcasters and hopefully the new one works properly. But I did figure out how to get music 
into the podcast from my laptop using USB cable. So, well, that's fun. Anyway, the feedback, I really appreciated. Like I said, I really, really appreciated all your messages on the Substack. On, I even, I even installed Instagram for a few minutes to post about the podcast. And it's been, yeah, the feedback's been great. A lot of people, you can look at the feedback uh, if you go to howtobusiness.substack.com and go into the previous episode, or you can go on LinkedIn, or you can go on Instagram where I posted about it. And most people seem to get the idea that this is sort of like a live, live feel, long form podcast that feels more like a live stream. It's not all about just getting information. It's more about having a nice thing to listen to, like a radio show in the background. You don't have to pay attention. And I'm not asking for your attention. I'm asking, I'm offering you a nice, comforting thing to play in the background where maybe 5% of the learnings might get into you. Um, and yeah, I think that's the, the basic idea there. I didn't really talk last week about the idea of why it's called the unscheduled CEO. Um, a lot of people asking about that. The basic point is that I spend a lot of time with other CEOs and they always point out the fact that uh, they find it weird that I don't have a schedule. And when they ask me, hey, John, like I'd love to meet or have a call in two weeks or like in February, I always say, take my number and message me on the day you want to meet me. And that's how we'll figure it out. And they can't believe then that I have free time on those days uh, because I don't like to schedule anything. And I think that's going to lead into a really interesting topic later after I do a little bit of an update. Uh, today, I want to talk about a conversation I had with my girlfriend basically the entire weekend um, about this idea of work-life balance and even friend, life, partner, business, all of these different things, how to balance them. Uh, also, children. Uh, I have a child. I have a four-year-old daughter. She's very cute. Um, but how do you actually balance these things? And is balance even what you should be thinking about? So that's going to be the big topic today. If you're interested in what it's like to balance life as a successful business owner um, in a way that I feel completely balanced, I've never had the feeling I work too much. Um, I've never had the feeling I, I'm missing out on work when I'm doing too much life stuff or whatever. I have a completely integrated uh, approach to it. And I actually think that work-life balance is a really damaging concept that ironically makes people have a way less good life because yeah we'll go, we'll go into that in a minute let me just update you let's let's update the the first section of this podcast i just realized i don't have music for it but the first section of this podcast is just kind of what's been going on uh since we last talked so since we last talked again i i i actually posted this podcast and um that process was really interesting, trying to get it on all the podcasting platforms. I, this time, did everything myself. Um, at the start of Jake and Jonathan, I also did everything myself, but eventually a really great editor, a guy called Jace, he runs Pod... Oh no, I should know the name of his company. I need to search that now because I want to uh, plug him. <laughs> Jason Podcast Editor. Uh What's his company called? Jason, what's your company called? Jason 
podcast. I think it's called Pod Podcast Tech. Let's have a look here. Let's have a look here. All right. Podcasttech.com. You should check them out. If you ever want to have a actually edited podcast, go to Podcast Tech with two T's because it's Podcast Tech, podcasttech.com. And check out Jay's. Uh, he's a really great editor. He can also do, oh, the website's not working. Well, that's not, that's not my fault. Okay. Well, anyway, check out, check out Jay's, uh, Jason Sanderson, Jason Sanderson and yeah, Jason Sanderson. Check check him out on the internet. You'll find him. He's a great podcast editor, but, uh, yeah, back to, (laughs) back to what I was talking about here. So, oh man, I just completely lost track of where I was going there. Launched the podcast updated it yeah uploaded it did everything myself on tuesday got it out on tuesday which was really cool then seeing the reaction of people was really cool uh also also on tuesday i had my first coaching call of the year uh for the workshop or master program this is our like high highest tier um program where we teach people how to be facilitators uh getting paid uh high day rates i'm not going to go into detail on that this is not a podcast about facilitation but that was my first coaching call of the year uh, since mid-December. It's actually the only thing on my schedule every week uh, is this is this coaching call. It's like a three, two to three hour long uh, session where I basically answer people's questions about um, being a high paid facilitator and so on. Uh, yeah, then <laughs> I got my apartment. So my apartment, which I moved into uh, in about July. I did a huge amount of work on it. It's a rented apartment, but in Germany, if you don't know this, in Germany, when you move into a new apartment, there's literally nothing in it, including rental apartments. Meaning, I moved into a rental apartment in July and it had no kitchen. So you literally have to do everything yourself, including putting light, lights up and every single thing has to be done yourself, even though you're renting. Which means that when a in Germany, when somebody leaves their apartment in Berlin, they literally take their fucking kitchen with them. <sighs> Massive hassle. Anyway, I'm still getting work done to the apartment and I'm kind of traumatized by the amount of work that I had to get done in the first few months uh, after July. And honestly, when the guys came to the apartment, because I took a really, I actually got burnt out from dealing with all of that at my apartment. Um, I just hate it. I hate having to coordinate all of the different things arriving, all of the different um, people working there to get things done. And it's it's an absolute nightmare. Of course, things always go wrong as well. The mo- One of the most stressful things of 2022 for me was moving, moving apartments uh, because of the fact that you really get an empty, completely empty space and you have to fill it up with things, meaning you have to find things online like beds, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so yeah, I got a lot of work done to the apartment this week. That was a pretty big distraction. Um, the other biggest thing that happened between this podcast and the last podcast is I had a really, really good, but very long uh, six to seven hour session uh, with the lead with the leads of each. Uh, so there's two big departments in AJ and Smart. One is called AJ and Smart Consulting. This is the team that does uh, corporate work. So they do corporate uh, strategy workshops, they do design sprints, but they also do large scale training. So they can train a corporate 
hundreds or thousands of people at a corporate in facilitation, workshopping. Oh, I just hit the mic. Facilitation, workshopping, and all of that good stuff. Um, and then there's the other team, which is called Workshopper, and this is the team that trains the public. Like you can just buy a license of one of our programs. Um, and this is the team that trains the public on how to do facilitation and workshopping. So if you go to workshopper.com, that's sort of the front-facing um, side of the public-facing business. And if you go to ajandsmart.com right now, uh, if you're listening to this in January 16th, uh, 2023, I don't know if I said 2023 or 2022 earlier, but you'll see the more of the consulting side of the business. And these two sides of the business, uh, I very, very purposefully separated them. Um, from the very beginning. So the consulting team started first and then later I started the online course business, the B2C, the customer facing, uh, consumer facing business. And I just separated them completely because at the time the consulting business was going through a very big overhaul and it was very chaotic and uh, I just needed a clean slate. So the online course team was almost like a little incubated innovation project that was happening within AJ and Smart, but now it's actually grown to be, um, yeah, the, the, in terms of revenue, the same size, if not a little bit, little bit bigger than the original business. Um, and on Thursday, uh, so this is, this is kind of to give you an insight into what a CEO does and what my job often is. Um, on Thursday, it was my job to sort of, uh, be the negotiator <laughs> between these two businesses for some challenges that had come up around um, who, you know, what happens if a corporate client comes and, and wants to buy a big package from the workshopper team versus uh, what happens when like a, cons- there, there's, there's basically some uh, complexities which build up when you have two different teams, which are essentially competing uh, on purpose because I set it up like that and um, Thursday was like a, a real you know very long very intense workshop actually I, I ended up uh, facilitating it as a workshop um, which was really nice because we were able to visualize the entire conversation um, and yeah I left that feeling quite satisfied on Thursday that uh, we had gone through a lot of very tough, very intense conversations. We, we were all very drained from it. Um, but the feedback, at least what the leaders told me, is that um, we're getting somewhere because it's a topic that's been going on for a while. And uh, that's something you never really hear about behind the scenes of a business is that it is still all about incentives. You know, I, I still have to make sure that everyone feels correctly incentivized and even though sometimes people think, oh, yeah, but wouldn't it be best for the business if we did X, Y, or Z? I say, even when people say this to me and they suggest that we should do something that's best for the business and not best for them, I usually say, well, it's better if you feel like it's good for you personally because then in my opinion, it actually ends up being better for the business because you're more more, more motivated. So generally when I make decisions, incentive-based decisions, I'm not doing things that are good for the business and maybe later on good for the person who I'm working with or the leader. I generally try to incentivize the leader um, 
as well as well as I can in order to grow what they are specifically doing. Um, and generally that grows the business. But yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, I get pushback on that from um, and, and, and rightly so, because, you know, it is also not it's not a very big picture way of approaching it because I'm basically saying, okay, I want to incentivize you specifically to do this type of growth within your specific team. And I want you to ignore the other team. In fact, I want you to just pretend that other team doesn't exist. Um, and sometimes the leaders at AJ and Smart say, well, wouldn't it be more intelligent if we all work together? Wouldn't we be a 20 million euro company versus what we are now, uh, which is below 10 million and it's more of an opinionated thing for me to say, I just don't want, I just don't think that's how this business should be run. I think that we should have separate departments kind of competing with each other, which can also create duplicates and can also create other issues. But everyone is very autonomous. Everybody's very individually incentivized. And that's just how it really, that's just how it works at AJ and Smart until... Well, as long as I'm the CEO anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm, I w- it was a really interesting conversation. I really understood, I really understood both uh, teams' issues and concerns. Um, and my job in this case is to come to pretty much a compromise uh, so that everyone feels incentivized and everyone feels happy. And so that's pretty much it. Um, since the last podcast, I was also trying to just get this fucking podcaster thing roadcaster podcast machine working and uh yeah it's been killing me it's been absolutely killing me but you know here we are with episode two again i don't know how this is going to sound i don't know if it's recording properly and uh yeah we'll, we'll have to see um but yeah that's that's sort of what happened between and and by the way i'm still trying to figure out the format and let me know um you can comment if you go to howtobusiness.substack.com um i think that's even in the I think Substack has even put that link into the description of these podcasts. Uh, and I'm using Substack actually as a podcast host. It's very well integrated. Um, you can actually tap down there, go to this episode and you can comment on it. And yeah, I'm curious if you like this sort of, hey, here's what's happening at AJ and Smart right now. Um, the big thing, the big, big, big thing uh, that I'm working on or that the team, that the company is working on uh, this week at AJ and Smart is launching our first, well, I guess it's not our first free group, um, but it's our first big effort to create a really large facilitation focused free community. Um, I'm going to take a little break, grab some coffee, and then I'm going to talk to you about the community. The, by the way, this is a new thing I figured out I can do is that I can actually pause while I'm recording. So I'm going to hit the pause button and then it's going to be maybe a bit weird because I'm going to come right back. But I want to fill up this... I want to fill up this glass with some coffee. Um, So I'm pumped for the next hour or so. All right, I'll be right back. And I'm back. And I got myself a nice iced coffee here. I'm really glad I learned about that feature because it also allows me... I didn't do it right now. But uh, if I'm kind of like confused about what to talk about next, having a little break is always a good way to, I don't know. So we are launching a new thing this week at AJ and Smart. It's called Facilitator Club. And Facilitator Club 
like I just mentioned before the break, is a free community. Um, it's not just an open community. There's like some questions to make sure it doesn't get spammed. Um, but it's a free community moderated and managed by AJ and Smart um, to basically bring together all of the ambitious facilitators on the planet into one place so that people can learn from each other, so people can work together and just really having like a central place where facilitators who want to make a living out of facilitation and who want to learn from, also want to learn from AJ and Smart. You know, we are uh, facilitating workshops for the biggest companies in the world, but we also train uh, thousands and thousands of staff at corporates all around the world. So I think we're well positioned to be this authority on the topic of facilitation. And yeah, Facilitator Club is this new group that we're going to be launching this week. And it seems like a small thing, you know, I think in, in the back, if, if you don't listen to this podcast, I think a lot of people, you know, most people on the planet do not listen to this podcast and they'll just see us launching this group and it's just a small thing and people will slowly be moving into it and hopefully it will slowly grow. But over time, that something like that can become extremely powerful. You know, having all of the super ambitious facilitators in one place, uh, just from a business perspective, it's an alternative to having a mailing list. It's also, in my opinion, a little bit more valuable than a mailing mailing list because uh, people are actually getting value from it. They can speak to each other. Um, it's not just AJ and Smart broadcasting at everybody. You know, everybody can broadcast uh, to each other. And the other thing is that we are, you know, why I think that why, where, where we are very specifically positioned uh, to do this well is we can afford to put people into this community who can manage it and who can moderate it and we can pay for that. Whereas if it's just a normal community that gets set up and there's a lot of them, um, if it's voluntary, people don't necessarily put huge amounts of effort into it. And so we would basically create a safe and moderated environment for the best. And, and we would also curate the people coming into it. So we're not just going to let people come in here, uh, you know, who are just trying to sell their shit. Um, we want people or we're not just bringing people in here who just, I don't know, have a mild interest in the topic. We're trying to bring people in here who are passionate about facilitation and who can bring something to a community community like this as well. So that's going to be the big project and big launch for this week. I was going to share the URL. I was actually going to share it in case you wanted to join it. But I actually forgot to ask Laura if I can... I don't, I don't know if it's open right now or not. I don't know if the, they've created the group. I, I don't see any announcement on our channels. So maybe I'll do that next week. Um, maybe I'll just forget about that for now. Let's see. Oh yeah, I can see there's two membership requests pending. I'm in the group right now and I can already see one post. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it. I'll talk about it next week. So Facilitator Club, that's sort of our big our big launch for the week. Um, and it, sort, it coincides with the launch of our new facilitation course. Um, and that's sort of the big plan for the year is just really double down, double down on facilitation across the entire business. And yeah, that's where, that's pretty much what's going on right now at AJ and Smart. It's also like number season. <laughs> um, I'm doing a lot of calls with lawyers, one specific lawyer, actually a great guy. 
uh, had like a three hour call with him on uh, Thursday or Wednesday last week as well. Just basically it's the time of the year where all of the numbers come in. We see how much money we made as a business in 2023, and then make the decisions on, uh, well, also doing like commission payouts and also me trying to figure out what amount of money am I going to take personally out of the business as the CEO. And if you're wondering how I do that calculation, there is none. I just um, basically look at, well, how much, this is actually maybe important to hear if you're a CEO or if you're um, running a small business. Um, I used to never take any money out of the business. I would basically take a minimum salary that would cover my cost of living. And then uh, I would take out a little bit each year, just, just, just because I was like taking this advice, you know, from, I don't know, startup founders who are like, uh, you know, just keep the money in the business and keep growing it and keep growing it. And that's where the value is born, uh, created. However, I had a chat with Jason Freed, the CEO of Basecamp. I also in the same year had a, a chat with Chris Doe. Um, he runs a company called The Future. Both of them told me that I should be taking more money off the table because the employees are getting paid and, and essentially taking money off the table. Uh, everyone else, all of the people, all of our um, you know vendors and all of our contractors are taking money out of the business. But I'm not because I'm like, well, I want to keep it in the business because that's the safest place for it. And if anything bad happens to the business, then blah, blah, blah. But then they pointed out that I'm putting myself in a really risky situation uh, where if the business fails and, you know, businesses fail all the time. By the way, employees listening to this, the business is not failing right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but but businesses do fail all the time. And so about three years ago or about two years ago, um, within like weeks of themselves, uh, Jason Freed and Chris Doe both said, I should be taking more money off the table. And I asked them like, how much? And they just said like, whatever amount uh, is safe. And I did a calculation of, you know, how much cash flow do I want to keep in the, in AJ and smart? Um, and then basically how much is left over. And I try to cash that out, uh, for myself. It's still my, I still like do the sort of salary. I still take a salary, but it's actually less than my cost of living right now. Um, and this dividend at the end of the year is sort of my main way of paying myself. But as of right now, I don't know how much I'm going to be getting paid because this is the point, like I said, where everyone else gets paid out first. Then I see how much, um, what our cash flow, what our runway is, how many months of cash do we have left in the bank. And then basically I decide, okay, how many months do I feel safe with? Um, generally, I like to have 12 months of cash in the bank account, which we do have more than right now. And so generally I'll kind of make my decision based on that. But it depends, right? When there are very uncertain times, <laughs> like the last four years, um, when there's COVID, when there's war, when there's recession, when there's inflation, uh, then I tend to be a bit more conservative and I want to have even more than a year in the bank. Um, so yeah, I'm curious and kind of excited to see and a bit scared to see how much money is left over after um, after I make all of those decisions um, to see basically, well, <laughs> that's that's pretty, you know, my dividend is my only personal profit for the year, like I said, because my uh, salary is less than break even. So yeah personally excited about that right now right now as we speak um this is all being calculated and a lot of accounting is happening in the background kyle who's 
our accountant is in the other room uh, having like a two-hour call right now trying to calculate all of these numbers. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the big thing. That's the big thing going on here. Uh, that's me trying to do Conor McGregor. My brother is so, so good at doing Conor McGregor's voice. So yeah, that's what's going on at AJ and Smart. Let me know, like I said, let me know if this sort of thing is interesting to you. Um, I'm curious. I, I don't know. Let me, and, and also you can, um, you can send your questions into, uh, howtobusiness.substack.com. Link is in the description and just go to the latest episode and you can comment right there. And I will, as you'll see later in this episode, I'll go through all of those questions and I'll pick out my favorites and I'll answer them. All right. So let's move on to, that was like the update. Let's move on to, um, I don't know. What, what do we, what, what will I call this? It's like the topic, the topic of the week, uh, maybe topic of the week. Okay. Let's move on to the topic. Oh, I got to turn this up. <laughs> By the way, someone, uh, commented that they didn't like all of the, like the technical issues popping up, uh, in the podcast. I think because this is, this is like the this is like the art direction. This is on purpose. I like it being very homemade and DIY. And I know that that can take away from the learning element. But the, again, this is not a learning podcast. This is a podcast which is more about, uh, I don't know yet, but there's going to be technical issues. There's going to be issues with this podcast for a long time. Um, I think you'll just have to learn to live with them. So let's move on to the main topic and the main topic for today is work-life balance. It's a big topic. It's a big topic for everyone on the planet. It's something that comes up very often in conversations with, with friends, uh, with colleagues, with other CEOs. <laughs> I kind of like that music. Um, work-life balance. It's, uh, I wrote an article about it recently, and I'm going to kick this section off with that article. And then I want to watch, a, maybe we should watch the video first, actually. I know this is an audio podcast, but I watched a video last night. There's a, there, I, I collected a lot of different angles for this topic. Um, and I think how I want to start it is maybe... No, you know what? I'll read the article. We'll go through that. It's pretty short. And then I'll we'll we'll take a look at a video and we'll just use that as a jumping off point. But basically, I think in my opinion, and I and I'm very very certain about this, the whole concept of work-life balance is just really stupid, really damaging, and keeps people doing things that they hate. I actually think it's like a control mechanism to keep people doing things that they really hate to do. Um and I think that it's used as, and companies use it as a way to kind of make it seem like they're really good and they're really helping their employees with work-life balance. And um, But in my opinion, it's just a great way to keep people doing a job that they really hate um, and doing unfulfilling things and not searching for fulfilling things. Um, it's the, Let me just go through the article here a little bit. Let me just read this. Um, and now I'm reading from what I've wrote here. 
Well-meaning people have been suggesting to me for years that I should work less, that I should get a real hobby, that I should do something fun. But what if work is my hobby, is my fun? What if it doesn't stress me or drain me, but rather relaxes me and energizes me? What if I've tried the types of hobbies that other people like to do the past time and have fun and come to the conclusion that my favorite hobby is building interesting things with interesting people, aka work? Um, guys, I've tried doing fun things. I promise. They just don't end up being more fun than the actual work I do. And believe me, you can try coming up with examples of fun things I should do, fun things I can try. But keep in mind, I live in Berlin. Um, if you know anything about this city, it's like an adult playground. I've tried everything and I just don't find it as fun as work, <laughs> the work I do. Like, for example, sitting here right now and recording this podcast for me is more fun than, I don't know, playing video games uh, or anything, really. it's I find this enjoyable. This gives me satisfaction. If you're carefully managing what's work and what's life, then you probably don't enjoy what you're doing. And by the way, I know this is coming from a privileged position I'm not trying to make a thousand caveats on every episode saying, well, I know if you're working in a like terrible situation in a country where there's not so many options, I know that I now sound really privileged, but I'm, I'm basically talking to people here who probably could choose uh, what they want to do uh, for work. But so I just want to make that caveat. I know this is uh, not going to apply to everyone, but I think the people who are listening to this podcast, I think it applies to you. So back to this. If you're carefully managing what's work and what's life, then you probably don't enjoy what you're doing. You see work as a burden in your life and you'd rather not be there. You want to escape from it. And when you want to escape from something, it generally means it's not right for you. So there's a great quote from Seth Godin, and he said, instead of wondering when your next vacation is, maybe you should set up a life you don't need to escape from. So this is, this is one of my favorite quotes. I have it written on the wall next to me here. So I, I rarely ever meet a real entrepreneur who even talks about the topic of work-life balance. It's just not something that comes up. Entrepreneurs tend to treat work-life balance in a more organic way. They work more when they feel like working more, and they work less when they feel like working less. They basically follow their energy levels and they adapt. Work, work and life, for me, blend seamlessly together. They weave in and out of one another without me needing to put a label on them. Everything is completely integrated. It's work-life integration. It's not work-life balance. And if you're always craving the weekend, the next vacation... Well, then you just might have created a life you want to escape from. Um, and that's the article. The article is called Work-Life Balance is a Stupid Concept. It's on the How to Business blog. And I've been thinking about this a lot. And I, and I realized there's a lot more to it. Uh, on the weekend, I was invited to a dinner party. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend invited me to a dinner party of a friend. And I somehow came to the conclusion and I've, I've been trying to listen to myself a lot more oh the other roadcaster has arrived yeah bring it in <laughs> okay the roadcast the roadcaster number two has arrived i'm actually recording but i'll take it 
It, that's definitely the roadcaster. Thank you so much. I'm not going to set it up now, but. You should set it up. Mid-podcast. <laughs> I think people are already annoyed about it. All right. Thank you. I'll tell you if it works. That was Ellie. All right. Um, so, yeah, I was, I've been trying to get a lot better at listening to my, or this sounds a bit hippie-ish, but whatever, um, feeling my body's reaction to things. So, like, when I'm invited to something or... Um, when I'm asked to do something or when I'm working on something, I try to feel, does this, is this actually something I want to do? Um, or is this just one of those things which people don't question and they do it and it's like an obligation and it's actually not what you want <laughs> and it's not, it, it's actually not enjoyable to you. Um, an example of that would be, let's say if you live in Berlin people go clubbing a lot and you just kind of get dragged along and you, you, you get invited to all these very fun sounding um, club nights in Berlin. But I realized I don't really like that. I realized that's not something I like to do regularly at all. Uh, another thing as an adult, um, I kind of thought I wanted to do because I guess other people do it is like hosting dinner parties. Um, and after trying it a few times, I realized every time I, I, it just feels the entire day feels tense because I'm thinking about like cooking the correct thing and um, like, will the environment be right? And then when people are there, it just feels unnatural. Even if we're good friends, I feel that a dinner party situation, by the way, I am coming back to the work-life balance thing. I haven't forgot about this. I am, I'm on a caveat that's going to come all the way around. I feel like the dinner party thing just feels unnatural to me and it feels almost like work. It feels like a a task, whether I have to go to one or whether I have to host one, it doesn't feel super enjoyable. So I was invited to a dinner party um, last week. Uh, it was on sar- Saturday night. Uh, people that I really like who definitely would host a very good dinner party. And I decided I'm not going to go. I said no. Um, and I... Well, actually, initially I was like, yes. <laughs> and then I, I, I felt the feeling in my stomach on the day and I, I pulled out of it. Um, and it, it actually triggered a very long conversation um, between myself and my girlfriend where I tried to explain why I tried to ex- I, I, like I basically tried to explain um, why I'd also don't want to make an excuse for not going. I don't want to tell the people, oh, I'm sick or I'm busy. It's more like this is just not something that I generally enjoy doing. For me, going to a dinner party and these sort of planned social events are feel not very integrated. They feel like these individual planned moments where even if you're not in the mood by the time it comes around, you still feel obliged to go to them. And that, that just doesn't work for me. And so what I've realized, and, what, and, and I've been like digging into this sort of like, what's the role of friends in my life? What's the role of community in my life? And I realized that when I'm thinking back to my childhood, when I was thinking back to um, my teenage years, I realized the and, and, and I, I have glimpses of this as an adult, I realized the times that I enjoy the most are the spontaneous moments where somebody just calls around or when we're just hanging out on the couch and chatting, but there's no social obligation. It's not that these people had to come over and now I have to host them and I have to entertain them or when I'm going to someone else's house. It's, it just feels 
a lot more natural to hang out than to do these like obligated social things like going to dinner or having a dinner party. And then <laughs> that led to um, my girlfriend sending me an article. Uh, and this article is amazing. I'm wondering, is it like too much to read the entire thing? It's called Deatomization is the Secret to Happiness. And I think, is it too long? I don't actually think it's too long. I think if I read this to you, it might actually make you happier in life. So, oh, wow, Substack is down. Cool. I can read it from the email app. Um, so this article is from a guy called Nat Eliason. And in my opinion, this is sort of a... If you, if you stick with me through this, you're going to see how this applies to work-life balance. You're going to see how work-life balance not making sense is the same... Re, it, it falls into the same category as doing sort of really planned friend things doesn't make sense. And by the way, another thing, uh, having a kid really messes this up because everyone tells you, oh, you have to, you know, the only way to get through the weekends <laughs> with a kid is to make sure you have lots of plans. I fucking hate that. I hate that. I mean, look at the name of the podcast. It's called The Unscheduled CEO, but it might as well be called The Unscheduled Life. I really... Schedule, schedules make me feel claustrophobic. It just makes me feel like, I don't know, if, there's, if, if, I, have a, if I have something to do at 3 p.m. to like, let's say if I get up in the morning at 9 a.m. and I have something at 3 p.m., the rest of the day just feels like a waste to me. Okay, look, I want to read this article here. It's called The de- De-Atomization is the Secret to Happiness. And I want you to listen and think about how this connects to work-life balance and think about how this connects to the social thing we're talking about. Look, this podcast goes deep, right? If you can follow it, I'm really sorry, but it's just too deep. Wait a second, I'm just taking a sip here. Okay, should I put some like music on uh, underneath this maybe um i'll put this on really low is this long enough no i'm not gonna do that <laughs> all right there okay this is deatomization. it's a secret to happiness from uh nat eliason there are two types there are at least two types there, fuck, this is not going well. There are at least two kinds of fun. Type 1 fun is in the moment, watching a movie, playing a video game, scrolling TikTok, reading a book. You want to have fun and you do the fun thing and voila, it is fun. Type 2 fun is in retrospect. Running a marathon is mostly unfun from moment to moment. You're often either zoned out or in some form of pain, but in retrospect, it was fun. I've spent over 1,000 hours playing the video game Dota 2, but I remember almost zero of that time. It was a strong type of, no, it was a strong type 1 fun, but a very low type 2 fun. I actually just realized this episode should be called, This is the Secret to Happiness. All right, we're back, we're back. I once went to a Dota 2 international tournament with a friend, though, (laughs) And I remember most of that experience quite vividly. Significant, part, significant parts were unfun. Waiting in line, q- 
commuting to the arena, bumping into one of the questionably hygienic gamers who body, whose body must be 63% pizza, and getting a whiff of Geneva-violating body odor. It's kind of mean, Nat. Gamers are not all smelly. I'm a gamer. I don't smell. But overall, it was very fun. Despite being moment-to-moment less fun than playing the game, going to the tournament was ultimately more fun. Playing the video game is very fun, but it's monolithic. It's just play. There's no environmental novelty full of multi-sensory stimuli to hook your memory into it. It blurs from one moment to the next. And like bad American Chinese food, you find yourself paradoxically unsatiated when you're done. I don't know if that if there's like a question if it's a, if it's okay to say that. There's something more fun about complex fun, even if the individual moments might score lower on the hedonometer. But fun is just one area where we can see this phenomenon. There is a clear experiential divide between rich multisensory life and what I'll call atomized life. And atomized life is worth avoiding. Okay, I know we haven't gotten to the point yet, listeners, but really stick with me. I think this is very important. And I think I'm going to do something to your brain when I bring all of this together. Um, By the way, if you're listening to this now and like, where the fuck is this going? Um, You should feel like that. (laughs) I'm doing expectation management. Okay. When I, I'm still reading the article and I'm, I'm halfway through it already. Okay. When I wrote about How much weaker we've gotten, that's another article, I don't know. Several people rightly pointed out that the reason was obvious. Most of us no longer do hard labor as our day jobs. When you had to walk or jog 20 miles a day for sustenance, or spend all day carrying canoes and packs on your shoulder, or drag bricks of limestone around for pharaoh, I still do that, um, you were default strong. When you spend all day sitting in a chair getting enraged, entertained, aroused, whatever by algorithms, you're default flabby. Yeah, I don't do any exercise, to be fair. Life and fitness used to be deeply intertwined or integrated, as I say. You, and by the way, the integrated part was mine. You could not live without fitness. Now they are separate. Fitness is a cute thing rich people do in their Lululemon, I like Lululemon, after work or while jiggling their mouse to keep the slack bubble green. (laughs) Oh, You don't do it to stay alive. You do it to get laid or to not resent yourself or maybe if you're particularly enlightened to feel good. Yeah, the working out thing really, really does not work for me. Fitness has been atomized. It's no longer part of a cohesive whole life. It's a separate thing you do when you have, it's a separate thing you have to try to find time for. When someone says they don't have time to work out, they're both stating their priorities. Obviously, everyone has time, but also stating something about their life. It does not have fitness incorporated into it. Beyond the atomization separating fitness, fitness from normal life, there is also further atomization within fitness. Let's take biking, for example. First, biking was something you did outside, often with friends. There was scenery, socialization, exploration, sunlight, and exercise. 
Then the exercise element was captured in stationary bikes, placed in a gym or a spin class, and the and most of the richness was removed. By the way, I know I'm making mistakes while I'm reading this, but like, I'm not a fucking ebook reader. <laughs> I'm not one of those. You know, I, I'm doing it live, all right? You still got the exercise and some socialization from being in the gym class, but there was no scenery. No exploration, no time in the outdoors. Then we got Peloton. I have a Peloton in my apartment, by the way, which I've used once. No socialization, no scenery, no exploration, no sunlight. Exercise, sure. And Emma is cute, but that is it. I don't know who Emma... By the way, this is Jonathan speaking. I don't know who Emma is, um, but, you know, he says Emma is cute. The richness, the richness of biking is gone. Let's look up Emma here. I'm just kidding. And look, I love my Peloton, but it's type one exercise. Instead of exercise being a multifaceted activity that incorporates other essential life elements like seeing friends, getting fresh air, and looking away from the screen for a few moments, it reduces it to its simplest element and suggests that it's just as good. Maybe even better because you got a harder workout. The most important part of exercise, after all, is intensity. It's being sarcastic. Um, as in, it's probably true, but he's being sarcastic that, like, you know, you get the point. Where else have we seen overatomization? Food comes to mind. A meal should be more than just food. Relaxation, spending time with your friends and family, fun, maybe joy. If you looked at an Italian neighborhood dinner and said, wow, what a waste. Don't they know they could just drink a Huel and get back to work? Well then, oof. But atomization encourages us to reduce multivariate experiences, often the most important parts of life, to their single most obvious element. Biking is about exercise and scheduling with friends and planning a route and inflating your tires all get in the way. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I need to read that again. Okay, but atomization encourages us to reduce multivariate exper- experiences, often the most important parts of life, to their single most obvious element. Biking is about exercise. And scheduling your friends and planning a route and inflating your tires all get in the way of that. Eating is about sustenance. And inviting friends and getting groceries and cooking all get in the way of that. Relationships are about talking. And meeting up in person and leaving the house and schedule are all little inconveniences. Work is about checking off tasks. So spending time commuting to an office where you might goof off and socialize all get in the way. By the way, that's a really big one. Let me just a slight aside here. At AJ and Smart, we obviously when COVID happened, of course, we went fully remote. But one of the and one of the teams is 99% remote. The other team, Workshopper, uh, we've decided to make it a flexible, but we would like to have people in the office. Because I really believe that even though I know it's really nice that every company, it is really nice for the employees that every company is like, well, you can work from anywhere right now. I do think it is atomizing work into just checking off tasks. And the socialization aspect of it, this community aspect of it is getting completely destroyed and I, I have so much more to say about that i probably should do a whole episode of it okay i'm back i'm back then when we feel lonely 
painfully isolated by our automized life, we schedule some automized social time, like going to a bar or a coffee to see friends in between our lonely work and our lonely dinner because we've removed most of the natural socializing elements from all the other parts of life. Atomization turns an integrated day of socializing, eating, exercising, and working into discrete, hurried chunks of trying to move from one thing to another, wondering why we never seem to have time for everything. Atomization is a global version of the problem I discussed in Work-Life Balance is Impossible, another one of his articles. The reason you can never have a work-life balance is that you've placed your work and life at odds. As ends of a scale that need to be balanced or less to tips too far in either direction. By the way, I wrote my article before finding out about his. Um, his is probably better. I haven't actually read that, his, his one yet. He's just a better writer than me, so I'm sure it's better. If you throw exercise and socialization and food and fun and hobbies into some complicated hexascale with work and life, you suddenly feel overwhelmed and start eyeing the benzos. I think benzos are um, like anti-anxiety pills uh, for the Europeans listening to this. (laughs) Because seriously, by the way, I've never tried them, but I'd I'd love to to try one and see what happens. Um, But but, uh, because seriously, how can you possibly, oh shit, wait, how do... How do I read this? Benzo. Start eyeing the benzos because seriously, how can you possibly, oh shit, did the dogs get fed today? Ugh, when did you last finish a book? Can you believe she hasn't called you back? Uh, is it five o'clock yet? But at the root, I'm not sure if I understand that. I need, well, wait a second. Okay. But at the root of this overwhelm is the language we use. I, by the way, listeners, I, I don't know what to call you, but I hope this is somewhat interesting. And even if you've forgotten the thread that I'm on, um, I hope this is, and, and which I'll bring you back to. Some of you will already be like, I got it. I see where this thread is going. Um, and by the way, I'm, I'm, the way I'm presenting this to you is basically how it happened in my mind. So it wasn't clean and it wasn't all one beautiful um this happened, then this happened, then this happened. It was just a big mess in my mind. And I'm just kind of presenting it, how the mess happened in my mind. But anyway, I'm back to the article. We're almost at the end. But at the root of this overwhelm is the language we use around many activities. I'm going to go work out. Feels more responsible than I'm going to go walk with a friend. We separate I'm working and I'm playing. We want to make everything extremely efficient. So we opt for going for a run alone instead of trying to link up with people along the way. We need to be productive so we don't work from a coffee shop or with friends. There's probably some blame to be put on the dumb productivity world for this too. People think they need to focus and give things their full attention, as if attention is the most important resource to optimize for. For your hour or two of deep work, sure, but after that, there's no reason you can't hang with friends while show, while slowing, while slow. Oh, that's, oh yeah, there's an issue there. While slowly chugging through your shallow work. Obviously, you can multitask. Uh, you never talked to someone while walking before. <laughs> um, I don't know, there's a, there's a couple of spelling mistakes here, which I'm kind of trying to read around. The solution to the optimization curse that both gives us significantly more time back and makes us much happier is to seek to reintegrate these various focuses of life as much as possible. 
How do you turn food back into a rich multivariate experience with friends, fun, exploration, and relaxation? How do you blend socialization and exercise and community? How do you spend less time having shallower, optimized, automized, atomized relationships through a screen and more time having rich in-person relation, in-person relationships where you get the full experience of other people? And by the way, um, you know, a lot of my friends or a lot of people I know decided to move out into the middle of nowhere, uh, out of the cities, um, basically isolated themselves off completely during COVID because they were like, well, everything's online anyway. Um, and if you're wondering if they are now wondering if they should move back into the city, uh, you would be correct. Like it, it, it was like an optimization thing. We're going to move out here. Well, because it's cheaper and because we get a bigger space and because it's in nature and we can check those boxes. Um, and of course, all of the uh, social and community boxes can be checked with the internet, but that's just not true. That, that, that's really, I was very surprised that people were not thinking this through. It's like, we're just going to move out into the middle of nowhere um, and that will be fine. There's, there's so many more challenges around that than people realize. I think they're starting to see it now. I'm not saying the city is the best place to live, by the way. I'm just saying the um, just abandoning ship and moving out into the middle of nowhere and thinking that this will, you'll still be able to get your, you'll still be able to stay in touch with all your friends through the screen is, is just, it's just very different. So how do you spend less time having shallower, optimized relation, atomized relationships uh, through a screen and more time having rich in-person relationships where you get the full experience of other people? The challenge is that these type one or atomized versions of activities are the most immediately appealing. Booting up my computer to play a video game is way easier and sounds more immediately fun than texting some friends to play pickleball. Crushing that takeout chips and queso sounds tastier and easier than cooking steak and rice. But I know I'll feel better afterwards with the latter. And that's where we have to try to, op- that's what we have to try to optimize for integrated living is more satisfied satisfying than atomic living let me read that one more time just for emphasis actually wait maybe i can put like um a um integrated living is more satisfying than atomic living instead of looking at uh, some problem like i don't see enough friends or i don't work out enough or i don't have enough fun and then trying to find time to fit those priorities in, we should see how we can incorporate them into what we are already doing. Could you make your workout less perfectly optimized so you can do it with friends? Can you loosen the reins on your super duper productive routine to hang out at a coffee shop with friends for a few hours a week? And for the love of God, can you please stop drinking fucking Huel or Soylent at your desk and talk to somebody instead? the more creatively we can integrate the various parts of life that matter to us, the more satisfied we'll be in our day-to-day. The more we atomize, the more lonely and overwhelmed we start to feel. De-atomization is the secret to happiness. And that's it. That's the article from Nat Eliasson. Um, it's on Substack. Check that out. I'm not putting a link in the description uh, because I don't. I don't have. I don't want that to be a part of my <laughs> workflow. Uh, just search Nat Eliason, and it's called the de-atomization 
Oh, his uh, his uh, Substack is called Infinite Play. You'll find it there. Um, and if you're tweeting this or doing anything, tell him I talked about it on the podcast. Okay, so now this started off with me talking about work-life balance being a stupid concept, then connecting that with me not wanting to go to a dinner party, and then I read you <laughs> read to you this article about deatomization. The the theme is really. Uh, a lack of integration and a lack of integration makes things not very enjoyable. You're not going to enjoy your work if it's just about productivity, if it's just about work, if it's just about getting things done, because then you have to say no to all of the other enjoyable elements like socializing with other people, um, having fun, um, goofing around, eating with other people. So for me, an example of a non-integrated workday where I would crave work-life balance, uh, and I actually think the remote work um, revolution has created even more of a reason to separate work and life. Actually, there's this video I want to react to where this this one woman was like, I know I'm not supposed. I know you're not supposed to uh, talk about work at home, but and it's like, what do you mean? Why are you not supposed to talk? about work at home what the fuck is happening at work why does it have to be all so separate so a non-integrated day for me would look like waking up in the morning bringing my daughter to the kindergarten rushing rushing to bring my daughter to the kindergarten coming back home getting on my laptop um having zoom calls all day eating alone (laughs) um or you know eating just uh, alone at home uh eating my lunch alone um then back on the laptop again, getting loads of things done product, uh, productively. I mean, actually, there's no reason for me to come into the AJ and Smart office to do, to do this podcast. I can do this uh, on my bed in my apartment. Um, but yeah, so a non-integrated day would be me on my computer. And it's this, I, 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 speak, to, I speak to Laura, who sits on the other side of this desk here. Um, and when she does her work from home day, she says it's her most productive day but her most like weird and kind of lonely and strange day. And I have the same feeling. Um, It's not that I have a problem with being alone, but it just feels like you're just a work robot when you do things. Just if you're just at home working and pumping out productivity, uh, those days just feel very unintegrated. I I feel weird at the end of the day. And I do feel like I want to stop working and that it just... It's not very enjoyable, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, okay. Now I want to do. Now I want to do my like me time. <laughs> Whereas, and 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 at the end of those days, I also feel like I need to schedule things with friends because I feel so like deprived of humans. <laughs> um, and by the way, even if you live with your significant other and you have kids, this it's still there's still something different about. Um, it still feels a bit weird if you're all just cooped up in the house to me. So that's an example of a non-integrated day where I'm just really separating out work and everything else I would want to do. Now, an integrated day, more like today for me, a walk to the office, which takes 25 minutes, which is exercise. So immediately I'm getting exercise and sunlight. Um, So I walk to the office. Of course, now I'm privileged that I've 
uh, chosen. I was able to choose an apartment close to where my office is. I get it. I get it. Um, but you know, everyone who comes to the AJ and smart office either walks or cycles, um, or takes public transport, but there's still movement involved. Um, so I walked to the office. Sometimes I cycle. Oh no, I, I lied. I actually cycle to the office today. <laughs> so I cycle to the office. Um, I got here, uh, there's people in the office. So just had some morning chats and a cup, uh, a coffee and just hung out, uh, in the kitchen area of AJ and smart. Um, you know, I'm getting, I'm socializing, uh, even though I am not like forcing it, I'm not like, Oh, now I have to socialize. This is my socialization section of the day. So sat down. Um, then I went back to my, to my, off, my desk, did a little bit of work, went out and had lunch with my team. And that's again, you're, I'm, I'm eating. So I'm, doing the thing I need to do, which is eating, but I'm also socializing. We're sitting there, we're talking about TV shows we've watched, talking about House of Dragons and White Lotus and having a nice, pleasant meal. And now I'm back here again uh, at my desk doing the podcast. And at the end of today, because I have, you know, and and then at the end of the day, I'll, I'll cycle back home. And I feel a lot more satisfied. I feel a lot more like Everything is interwoven and my life feels more full and more um, multifaceted on days like today than days like, um, I can't remember, last Thursday or last Wednesday uh, when I had this call with the lawyer, I decided to stay at home because it was more convenient, right? I didn't want, I didn't feel like coming into the office I, and because there is that flexibility, I was like, oh, I'll just do this from home. But I don't know, I felt really weird at the end of the day. Um, I felt like kind of like I hadn't really, I don't know. I, it just felt, it just feels strange. Um, and on these integrated days, it doesn't feel like there's such a strong like break between my work and my life because I'm getting, I am socializing, I'm exercising. Um, my work for me, uh, it gives me some feeling of purpose. Uh, and of course, then it pays the bills as well. And it just feels super integrated. And at the end of these days, I'm like, I don't need to plan. I don't, I don't feel this desperate urge to, okay, I need to now plan really specific friend things um, to make me feel better. Uh, it, it, just, it, it just doesn't come up when it's super integrated. And I think the, just even the, the wording, you know, just that people know this statement, work-life balance, um, makes people assume that they have to really carefully balance these things and really carefully like uh, keep them separated. And it's, especially if you're a business owner, that's really your choice. You know, you you can choose whether you want to split those things up aggressively. And I choose not to. My work and life interweave with each other. And I don't desperately crave them to be extremely separated. The only times I ever crave them to be separated is when I really don't like it. And there have been times when I don't did not like running AJ and Smart. And instead of just being like, oh, that's just how it is and it's just shit, um, you know, which a lot of people do. You know, I also know a lot of CEOs who are just like, yeah, I can't wait for my next vacation, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're the one who created this company you create your own utopia and you even have fallen into this work-life balance thing i think the problem with work-life balance as a concept is that it does it promotes this atomization it promotes this separation and breaking things into these small chunks 
And in my opinion, and also in Nat Eliason's opinion, he, he put it better than me, breaking all of these things into small little efficient chunks makes life less good. And I'm trying to look for ways to... So, so my work and my life is relatively well integrated. But one of the things that's really not well integrated right now is my friend social setup. Um, I still need to like plan things and, hey, you know, are you free on Friday? Let's hang out. I, I, I'm trying to find a better way to do that, which is a bit more spontaneous and a bit more integrated. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm super, super interested. And, and, and I'm going to, I'll keep you updated on the things I'm going to be trying. But I realized for me, friends and socializing has never been, for some people, some of my friends and, and um, a lot of people I know, socializing is very important. They always have to have a plan for the whole weekend. Their weekends are like packed full of plans. And I realized, and, and I always thought I was weird because I like to have completely open space and time. And I, I don't want anything planned on the weekend. I'm happy to just do nothing on the weekend. And I realized the reason for that is a lot of the people who have the most plans on the weekend are the people who fucking hate what they do day to day. Hate it, or in the best case scenario, barely tolerate it. And they don't get the social aspect from it because maybe they hate their colleagues or they're working remotely. And they have to pack it in. They have to have something to look forward to. They have to have something um, completely planned out so that they can get through the week. These are also the same people who say, I can't fucking wait for that vacation in three weeks. Or when they're at the last days of their vacation and I say, how's work going? And they say, don't talk to me about that. I don't want that on my mind right now. And yeah, I think that's very unfortunate. And um, I think it's, uh, it's very, yeah, it's just very unfortunate that that's how a lot of people think about work. Because for me, it's just so, so deeply integrated into my everyday life. And it doesn't feel like that. And it, I have experienced it. You know, I worked at corporates and it, I just couldn't do it because it just felt like I had to, if you've seen, I, if you have not seen the TV show Severance, um, this is like a spoiler for the first 10 minutes of the episode, but in the TV show Severance, and I think this is the best, uh, it's like a very blunt metaphor for it. In Severance, the whole concept of the show is that people have their brains basically severed in two. Not like, I don't know how exactly they do it in the show, but it's basically in, in their day-to-day -day life, so in the life side of their work-life balance, they do not know anything about their job. It's as if another whole different person does the job. And so between nine and five, when they go into the office building, their brain forgets everything about their life side of their work-life balance. So it's like two different people, but it's the same body. So there's the work person who's literally trapped in the office and only gets to work and is always wondering what the life person is doing on the outside. And there's the life person on the outside who has no idea what's going on inside the office um, to the point where at, a, at one point, one of the characters um, kind of wakes up and has like a scar on his forehead and the company has a letter saying, hey, you fell in the office and here's a coupon uh, to take care of it. But this this show pretty much, I would say 
in a very blunt uh, way is, is it's a metaphor for how most people think about their work. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to even think about it. I want to switch my brain completely off when I'm in this job because it's not real life. This is just the thing I do. The problem is it's the thing you do eight hours a day, five days a week, which takes up actually the majority of your actual life. So yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Again, I know somebody could clip this and easily say, well, easy for you to say there are people who are, who can, you're so privileged. There are people who have to do these types of jobs and you're sitting here, blah, blah, blah. I know (laughs) I'm aware and that really sucks, but I'm very specifically talking to people who actually can change it, but don't, it's not that they choose not to. It's just that I think there is a there is this almost like propaganda around you're supposed to hate your job and that's fine, um, but it's it's not how how it actually is. There are people who genuinely enjoy what they do. Um, maybe I'll end this with, or maybe before we go into the mail uh, mailbox. This is long, by the way. I am not worried about how long this episode goes for. You'll know when you're looking at the podcast app here. But I'm getting a bit hungry, but I've got a little bit more energy. I've got this short video here, which I want to I wanna play, which I think hits the nail on the head. It's called Asking Canadians If They Hate Their Jobs. Uh, it's a channel called Sprout, S-P-O-R-U-H-T. And let's, I hope the audio, I, I don't exactly know how the audio is going to sound. If it's bad, then at least it's pretty short. It's only six minutes. Okay, so let me let's just listen to this, and I'll I'll react as as we go. It's actually quite a quite a good channel. I think it's yeah, it's a, it's a good channel. Okay, listen to this. Do you like your job? This is just the very start of the video. He's just it's a guy on the street walking around the streets in Toronto with a mic, asking people about work and stuff. Okay, let's go. Do you like your job? No. What makes you happy? Hello? In case you didn't hear that, uh, the guy just said no. <laughs> um, and that's like a, you know, okay, let's, let's keep going. Let's, let's keep going. Of money. Do you think that it's possible to hate your job, but to still be happy in life? Real answer? Oh my God, that's so complicated. <laughs> Today I'm in Toronto and I'm going to be asking Canadians if they hate their jobs. What do you do for a living? By the way, the audio, you can hear the, his mic does just sound like that it doesn't sound great so it's not just the recording here i'm defending my recording already i uh, work with the government do you like your job not anymore no what made you get into that job in the first place well when i finished school i couldn't find anything in my field so i uh, found a good job in the government and kind of stuck with it so what do you really want to do then just whatever provides more life fulfillment i have uh, young kids so what gives me time to spend with my kids is- sorry I, I didn't press the so this is a really common thing. Like the only reason you work is so that you have enough money to, to not work and, and to spend time, this guy to spend time with his kids. And I think that's like, uh, yeah, it's a, it is a shame. I mean, I, I'm, I think a lot of the time, uh, sometimes when, you know, people are working their ass off for a certain amount of money, I'm always wondering, is there a way that you could make that same amount of money and have a more integrated approach or even slightly less money. For me, for example, I would make more money. I do believe <laughs> I actually would have definitely a lot more money in my bank account if I had uh, taken 
some of the corporate job offers or consulting company job offers that I've been offered. Um, the salaries at these companies are crazy, especially for like senior designers. But yeah, then I would have to do that thing where I, you know, switch off my brain and just, you know, I'm excited for the weekend and I didn't want to make that trade. So I just made, instead, I just made shit money <laughs> all of my twenties, uh, to try to build a more utopian business for myself. Well, what do you do for a living? I'm in printing. Do you like your job? No. How long have you been working in this industry? In the industry, about 25 years. Why did you choose to go into this job in the first place? 25 years ago, let's say. I was looking for a job. I had a friend in the industry and uh, he got me on board. Did you ever feel pressured to go into a specific job or industry at any certain point in your life? Like maybe when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I got my uh, degree in engineering and uh, that never... This guy just looks so dejected. <laughs> He's just like, no, I don't like my job. Yeah, it's just shit. <laughs> Such a shame. And, uh, what do you do for a living? What do I do? This guy actually likes his job. This is a real estate consulting guy. Do I'm a consultant at CoStar. Do you like it? I love it. How long have you been working in it? By the way, I'm actually kind of surprised uh, that these people are willing, the people who hate their jobs are willing to go on camera and say it. It's actually kind of cool. So it's been about three months. I just graduated about three months ago. So. And also I should say, there are obviously people who join AJ and Smart and they hate it, you know, and uh, it, it, not every company is right for everybody. But when I see someone really not liking working at AJ and Smart, I tell them like, you know, you could, you can probably, you don't have to work here. Like there are other places which will pay you the same, you're, pay the same or even more. And maybe it's a better environment for you. That's something that people are often surprised about. Um, I mean, obviously, maybe you maybe you assume that because I have a podcast where I'm this um, transparent. I don't want anybody to hate working here or waste their lives here um, at this company. It's I, I don't want that. I don't want to be responsible for that. So anyway, back 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 to this. So so far so good. What do you do for a living? Uh, I work as an accountant. Do you like it? Yeah, getting there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting there. Yeah. How long have you been working in it? I don't know. I forgot to count though. Forgot to yeah. count. Ten years? I think so. Ten years, and you're just getting ten years of your life, uh, just drifting by in a job that you're like, eh. to like, even though you're spending basically all your time doing it. Take it now. <laughs> yeah. Where are you guys from? By the way, I do think Europe has a better, um, a better, like Northern Europe. Although I, I think the work-life balance topic infects everyone. Um, I do think Northern Europe has a better. <sighs> people work less extremely hard, and and there is more of an more of a like, you know, a, a focus on doing like personal life things as well as you know working it's not just all about working your ass off and money 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 um but but also in europe people the exact same thing happens where it's like this is work and this is life and the only reason i work is to do life and yeah anyway sorry these people who are about to pop up in the video are scottish you might not understand their accents <laughs> scotland scotland awesome are you and also, I know that when you hear the other people talking, his mic is not really picking up their voices. So I'm sorry if you can't really hear that. Is retired? Or are yes, you still working? We're retired. Yes. Oh, when you were working, what were you doing? Uh, well, you, you, in the whiskey industry. He worked in the whiskey industry. 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm going to skip forward um, to the section where it's like, what do you do if you hate your job? No, this, this question is kind of interesting. Can you hate your job, but still be happy? It's just a later part of the video but to still be happy in life? I think so, depending on the type of person you are. If you can separate the two and realize... Listen to that. You can be happy. If you hate your job, you can be happy, but only if you separate the two. Well, this job is a avenue or a stream for this. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy with my life, uh, but, uh, you know, for eight hours a day, I just... Uh, I, I do it because, uh, you know, my kids. I- <laughs> Oh no, oh no. I believe uh, for you to, to be uh, uh, prosperous towards something you're doing, I mean, you, you gotta love it. If you love something, then you should. I'm not 100%, I don't 100% agree that you need to love what you do. I don't always love what I do at AJ and Smart. I'm not like, oh my God, this was the best day ever. It's, you know, I have some best days ever where I'm super excited about what I do, but it's not always like that. I think 80% of the time, it's more like I'm content with it. And I like that it integrates so well with my life. I do not think you need to be super passionate about... I don't think you need to find your passion. Um, when people say that, I just, I'm like, that just makes it sound really hard. Do it. If you don't like it, I mean, why, why, why are you there then in the first yeah. place? Life is short, right? Yeah, I, mean, I know. <laughs> Yolo, you gotta live once. If you hate your job and you're earning X amount of dollars, but that allows you to explore other things like vacations, etc., and everything else you do, mm-hmm. sure, right? But that only goes so far until you realize, why am I doing this? Personally speaking, I, I think, yes, you can hate your job and still be happy in the sense that you're always looking out for the bigger goal. Do you think that someone can hate their job, but at the same time still be happy in life? I think it's very difficult. If I wasn't happy in my job, I think it would impact on your home life a bit. You know, you're not meant to take your work home with you, but sometimes... You're not meant to take your work home with you. It's like it's a dirty thing to talk about. And I don't have this so much in my friend groups anymore because I didn't really want to have uh, people like that in my friend groups. But there there, there are situations when um, I'll be with a group of people and... I don't know, someone might ask me a question about AJ and Smart and I'll answer it and then someone's like, oh, let's let's not talk about work. Let's not talk about work. And it's like, huh? Like, it's not it's not some dirty thing. Like, what's happening to you at work? You know, it's, it's yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really disagree with that approach. It's very hard yeah. to detach uh-huh. yourself from your job. Okay, last question. Are you guys happy? Yeah. Okay. I don't need to go through any more of this video. I think you get the point. Although these two people he's about to interview are kind of cool, like as in they look very cool. It's a guy and a girl, young guy and a girl, very, fa- very fashionable and uh, very enjoyable and happy, happy and fun to listen to. Um, all right. I think I think I kind of milked this topic now enough. So and I'm not I'm not I'm also this podcast is not about like now make summarizing it and making a clear point. I want to know what you think about that. I want to know what you think about that topic. Um, Here's things like, here are some basic things I already know. I, and I won't really read these comments. If you say anything along the lines of, well, it's easy for you to say, but blah, blah, blah. I will ignore it because I, I think that's just a cop out. If you're, if you want to talk about this topic, that's just like a complete cop out. I already know 
it's easy for me to say this and because I'm in this position, but I've always felt this. I felt this. That's the reason I quit my corporate job when I was 23 and had absolutely no money. Um, I always felt this feeling. I always felt like uh, I don't want to be doing something that makes me have to escape from it. The other thing is um, I am aware that sometimes you have to detach from the job you're doing. And vacations can be really helpful and getting away from something can be really helpful. I'm not saying don't do these things. Hey, Laura. <laughs> I'm just at the end of like a very long, the, the podcast is 125, uh, no, one hour and 25 minutes so far. I read the entire atomization article. <laughs> um, well, did you want me to share the facilitator club thing or not? Yeah, I think you can share it and just say the URL. So facilitatorclub.com. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's like just starting, so it's not going to be... Yeah, it's, it's going to be kind of empty. Okay, tomorrow's day one of it. So if you're interested in checking out that facilitator club thing, check out facilitatorclub.com. And that's sort of you, you'll be seeing that whole thing coming together if you want to see how we make a product from scratch. Uh, check out facilitatorclub.com. Uh, but back to this point... I'm aware that there's a lot of nuance to this, but I am still super curious to hear what you think about it. I want to know if it actually, what I'm actually most interested in is did this trigger anything for you or did do you have any solutions to these things? I'm not so interested in comments or feedback around, oh, well, you didn't mention this thing and oh, well, easy for you to say. Those things are kind of not that interesting to a conversation. What I want to know is, what I'm, what I'm interested in is furthering that conversation. All right, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll move on to the mailbox. And we're back with the mailbox. If you want to write into the podcast, go to howtobusiness.substack.com. Or you can just click the link in the podcast description, go to the latest episode, go to today's episode, and just comment right there. Now, I know I asked people to uh, also comment on LinkedIn last week, but look, I actually got a lot more questions uh, and a lot more comments than I could handle. And so I decided to just focus on Substack. So if you have questions, and please do send in your questions or comments Um for next week's episode, and I will very likely read them out. It's not like millions of people are writing. Um, and I'm just going to answer as many questions as I can in an episode. First question this week is from Ivan Stankovich. And if I get your name wrong, I apologize. He asks, and this is a little bit related to last week's episode, he says, how do you recognize a business decision that will generate 1 million versus 10 million? For me, um, it's honestly kind of a, maybe a very simple way of thinking about it. I just think about it as I do the math. I, I just do the math and I'm like, uh, for example, the, um, the workshopper retreat that we did last year and I spoke about it in the last episode. Um, we'd made 200, something like 285,000 euro revenue. And if I would want this to get to 10 million in one year, well, then I'd have to do it as many times. I can't even I can't even do the math on that. It's actually probably pretty easy because it's four. It's like four. I'd have to run 40 of them, I think. 40 multiplied by, let's say, 250,000. Yeah, I'd have to do 40 of these retreats in a year. And that's just unrealistic 
based on how difficult and based on how stressful it was to run one of them, based on the amount of energy we would have to expend. Um, so yeah, for me, the, the I just do it like a, a, a mathematic kind of decision, just like back of a napkin very quickly. Is this a 10 million decision or is this a 1 million decision? Um, but there's also like a time frame. For example, I'm doing this podcast even though I'm saying that I'm only making 10 million decisions, uh, 10, $10 million decisions this year, I actually think this podcast is a $10 million decision for multiple reasons. One is I think that me doing this podcast is a great way for me to just use it as a journal and come up with ideas and um, have it as an excuse to read more and explore more, which is more likely to bring me to the point of coming up with bigger ideas. And uh, yeah, I also think this podcast um, could be relatively big and could drive a lot of traffic to AJ and Smart. And yeah, it's just, a, in my opinion, this is a this is something where I'm saying, where I believe this podcast itself could be a $10 million decision. Whereas something like The Retreat, which gives me 280 or almost 300K upfront, um, is not so it's it's not like it's a mixture of gut feeling and some back of the napkin uh mathematics pretty much um marie christian messier writes in what are you doing right now by the way i didn't even read these beforehand i just kind of copied and pasted them in after having a quick glance so when i'm reading them right now i'm also kind of reading them for the first time (laughs) What are you doing right now that your future self will thank you for from a CEO point of view? Oh, my future self. Having hard conversations with my leadership team versus letting resentments build up um, and kind of avoiding avoiding tough things. So I think it's my job as CEO to bubble the most difficult uh, topics up to the top and and um, facilitate those conversations and make sure that frustrations are really out on the table and being dealt with. Um, in a company, in a lot of companies, this stuff just builds up and bubbles up in the background because the CEO doesn't want to have awkward conversations, including me. I don't like having these conversations. I spoke about the pretty much six-hour uh, session I had last week. This is something I, I would... Like if I, it's not like I would choose to have that conversation. It takes a lot of energy and, um, I'm still not super comfortable. I don't like making people feel bad. And so I'm not like the best at giving critical feedback. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it, I think my future version of myself will thank me for having tough conversations instead of avoiding them. Or like I have another right after this call, uh, I'm going to have to have like a also a tough conversation uh, with somebody working here, and it's uh, it's not I don't like those. <laughs> it's not and by the way, that's not something because because I know the staff are listening to this. Um, it's nothing like crazy. It's like a normal day to day thing, but it's I'd rather just not do that. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I think my future self future CEO self would thank me for. Um, Peter Hoogland writes, or Hoogland, I agree that money is a useful tool to measure success, 
This is based on last week's episode as well, but not a final one. I do think that having money makes it easier to become happier, or at least to have, uh, or at least to have to go through life with much less worry. But which comfort zones do you have to leave to make more money? I assume that's what it means. It says which comfort, what comfort zone do you have to leave for that? But I think the more money you want to make, the more risk you bring upon yourself. And so I guess you, to make more money, you do take on more risk. That's basically it. And then you're kind of, you can't really take the back seat. And so you, you kind of, I guess your peace of mind is, is, uh, you leave the comfort zone of just having, you, you don't have the comfort of other people just making decisions for you, like when you're working at a company. So to make more money, you generally have to take more risk and responsibility. And it's more comfortable to not do that, in my opinion. And that's the comfort zone, the big comfort zone that most people have to leave when they want to take control of making more money. So I agree, it's not for everybody. And it's, um, uh, what's his name? Mark Manson, who wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, he, he says, you know, when you're making a choice in life, it's like, what's your favorite flavor of shit sandwich? <laughs> you know, if you want to be a CEO and and uh, be self-employed or, or be independent like me and make uh, the money that you want to make, then you do have to leave uh, the comfort zone of what everyone else is doing. It's comfortable to do what everyone else is doing. You know, the going to a job that's well-defined and people tell you what to do so you don't have to wonder what you're supposed to be doing. And uh, yeah, here I am recording a one and a half hour podcast about random shit and that's still business. And I, But I don't know if it's going to turn into anything and so that's me leaving my comfort zone here. Um, you, you lose your... The comfort zone you have to leave is the comfort zone of certainty. <laughs> um, and I think... I'm fine with that, but that is the comfort zone you have to leave. Um, Vasil asks, what are some business opportunities that you see right now but don't have an intention to pursue? I didn't think I'd go through these so fast. You got to ask me deeper questions, guys. Um, what are some business opportunities you see right now but have no intention to pursue? A big one is events. Um I think we're not the company who's going to do much events anymore. <laughs> Last year we did the retreat. We actually told people, hey, this, we might just do this once ever. Um, I think people didn't really believe us. They were like, ah, oh, that's just an AJ and smart marketing tactic. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not doing it again. Um, I think event like doing events for facilitators and workshoppers is a pretty good multi-million euro business opportunity and we're not going to pursue it. It's just too, too, it's just not our thing. It's just really not our thing. Um, so that's one, that's one really obvious one that we've decided not to pursue. And again, I don't think it can, I do think it could bring us to 10 million, but I think it would destroy the business and burn out a lot of staff. But I do think, you know, there are people in our workshop or master community planning on doing a like unofficial retreat. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's see if they end up repeating it or turning it into a business. But I do think that would be. I think I think there's a lot of ways to do that where it could make a lot of money, and a lot of ways to do that where it's just 
most most people don't know how to make money out of events. Most people don't know how to run events. So I don't have, I don't know if anyone's going to be able to monetize it the way we would be able to, but it's just not something that we're going to pursue. I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Um, yeah, we're not currently pursuing the, a lot of the agency, stand, like a lot of the standard agency things that people think we should do, we're not really pursuing, like, you know, doing um, development and making uh, digital products and like creating an incubation lab and all of this stuff. There's, there's a lot of like standard agency things that people tell us to do and we're currently not exploring them. So yeah, those are the things that I can think about right now. Uh, we're also not pursuing sponsorship. Like I'm not going to have sponsors on this podcast uh, even though, I mean, with Jake and Jonathan, with the previous podcast, we could have been making $10,000 minimum per month uh, with sponsorship, but I just didn't want to. I just don't want to deal with that. Um, yeah, final question from Andra Stefanescu. <laughs> she has a Substack stack uh, called Team Flow. It just says that under her name here. That's why I'm pointing it out. And I like this question. It's like... She says, what advice would I give my daughter when she's 20 years old about money? That's a nice question. Um, well, hopefully she learns a lot about money. Um, hopefully she learns just by observing um, that I do think money is important, but I also don't think you should do things you don't like to get it. Uh, I think I would try to teach her long-term thinking. There's, there's two, and I know that sounds generic, so I'm going to expand on it. There's two ways to play the game of making money. There is the game most people play, which is like getting a job and then, um, so for example, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be super, if she came to me, if she was at a job and she said, I found out that my other colleague is getting paid 55k, but I'm only getting paid 53k, but I'm doing more work. Um, should I go and talk to my boss and try to get my salary put up to the same level as this other person? I would actually say no. <laughs> I would say that's a really bad way to play the game. And it is a game, right? There, there's, there are game elements here. And sometimes I'm also like disappointed when... I see people I really like it's always it always happens at AJ and Smart Um, because basically what will happen is that of course like it's very likely that salary will get up like put up 2k um, which is not a lot over the the space of a year what I would actually suggest for her to do again this is this is still on the question what advice would you give your daughter when she'll be 20 years old about money and I'm just using a specific scenario a very common one so she comes to me and she's like, this other person's getting paid more. I would say, forget about this other person getting paid more. You focus on building the skills and giving as much value as you possibly can to the business. And if in a year from now, you really believe deeply that you're giving crap tons of value to this business and you're, and you're not getting paid enough, don't bother focusing on the business you're working at like don't bother like asking for a raise 
just go somewhere else that's going to pay you more because you've built up all of those skills. And if the company wants to keep you, they'll pay you more. <laughs> like really there's, or, or the, the other alternative is what I think usually happens is just, just keep your head down, build up the skills, do great work. And it's very likely that you'll get noticed and you'll, instead of getting a 2K bump, you'll get a 10K bump. I think a lot of people have learned really bad money lessons, especially around raises and around salaries. And often they end up getting these tiny bumps all the time because they do a lot of comparisons with other employees instead of just focusing on themselves getting really fucking good, really hard to compete with, really, really like to the point where if they would fire you, it would be a fucking nightmare because the company would have to replace someone who's so irreplaceable. It's better to focus on that than to focus on the 2K. Um, And that would be really an important piece of advice because I never gave a fuck what other people were getting paid. I knew they were getting paid more than me. Um, My own employees were getting paid more than me for about the first five years of AJ and Smart. I didn't give a shit. I was focusing on building my network, on building my skills. Um, And again, I did not have any money, so I was living in shared apartments, all that kind of stuff. Um, I just didn't care. I I always saw it as an extremely long game. And I think these short-term money games are always pointless. Um, Because if somebody comes to me and says, this this used to happen all the time, by the way. It doesn't happen as much anymore. Um, But like literally one employee collected, secretly collected all of the salaries of every other employee came to me and said, well, I'm doing all of this work and this person is doing a little bit less work and they're getting paid uh, 3000 per year more than me. And then, uh, of course, me, as I, I want to be fair, right? I'm, I'm, I don't want to be unfair. So I'm like, oh, okay, um, I'm just going to bump it up. Instead of thinking... Just just to get over, just to not have the awkward situation. These days we're a little bit better with and have systems. Whereas you have someone else who just quietly works their ass off, gives crap loads of value to the business. And even though they're maybe not noticed for six months after like seven months or a year, it's like fucking hell, this person is just like, we, like if this person left, it would be a fucking nightmare. We need to keep them. And, and that's the, that's where you want to be. You want to be getting paid. You want your salary to be getting bumped for retention and rather than like nitpicking reasons. And so, yeah, I just, I know there maybe, I don't know, will there be controversy about this point? But that's what I would tell her. If she came to me and said, this person's getting paid more than me, or I feel like I've done a lot of work here and I didn't get a raise, I would say, forget about that shit. Keep learning skills. Um, interview secretly interview for other companies if you're if you think you would get paid if you think you should be getting paid way more and then if you get an offer from another company but you really like the one you're working at go to them and say look i got an offer for 55 from this company i would love to stay at aj and smart if the, if she was working at agent smart whatever i would love to stay at aj and smart though um but look it is important to me these numbers are important to me um can we make something work here versus Dave's getting paid more than me. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I would say play the long game when it comes to money. 
and don't play nitpick don't pay attention to anybody else's fucking salary it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter just make yourself ludicrously valuable and get to the top don't play these games where you're some somehow fighting for the middle so yeah that's that's one piece of advice i'd give her i think um but i don't know let's see that's an i have another 16 years to think about that advice and that's it if you like this episode i mean a lot of you will not have gotten to this point if you like this episode please give it a review if you're on the apple podcast app please share it it gives me a reason to make another episode please share it um on linkedin uh i think linkedin would be a good one or instagram uh just take a screenshot of it say you're listening to it uh, maybe get, comment on something that you learned from it um I would really appreciate them. Tag me, tag me on Instagram or LinkedIn and I'll comment on your post and I'll also appreciate it. And look, I appreciate you listening if you got this far in the first place. um, Howtobusiness.substack.com if you want to leave a message for next week's episode, please do so that I have something to respond to. And yeah, I hope this was an interesting episode and I've slightly... I think I slightly less technical issues this week compared to last week. And maybe next week I'll have a working roadcaster. So the sound will be even better. Um, and that is it. Thank you so much, everybody. I really appreciate it from the AJ and smart office. I want to say have a lovely week and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye bye everybody. (laughs)